This program is brought to you by the Gin Society, www.ginsociety.com. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. On the show, Mark Hughes, former NRL and professional footballer. Also, Jude Bolton, former AFL player. And Brett Kamali, Australian rugby league footballer. We have three premiership players here today across two codes. Let's get started. Welcome to the show. On the show today, Mark Hughes, former NRL and professional footballer, playing 161 games for the Newcastle Knights and winning the first Knights Premiership in 1997. He's also represented New South Wales on three occasions. Following his career, he set up the Mark Hughes Foundation with Beanies for Brain Cancer. Welcome to the show, Mark. Great to be here. Jude Bolton, old Jude, good mate of mine, former AFL footballer, played for the Sydney Swans between 1999 and 2013, playing 325 games and kicking 196 goals. Two times Premiership player, 2005-2012, and holds the record for the most tackles, 19 in a match, and the most tackles in an AFL career, 1,490. And he still looks as pretty as ever. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jude. Cheers, Shane. I've been overtaken in the tackles record by, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, by a few of the players. Lenny passed me in his game, not Lenny Hayes, but uh, great to be here, mate. Good man, mate. And Brett Kamali, Australian rugby league player, footballer, playing in the Premiership in 1999 for the Melbourne Storm First Premiership. 307 games, 10 matches for the State of Origin and 20 matches for his country. And he made his debut in 2007 for State of Origin, winning the series in a clean sweep and keeping Andrew Johns on the sidelines for two of those games, which is a... Bloody big effort, mate. So welcome to the show, Brett. Thank you, Shane. Yeah, obviously Newcastle boy come through the ranks behind Joey. I don't know why I didn't get the tenth immortal. If you keep it, <laughs> what's, what's Joey? Is Joey the seventh? Eighth? No, he's the eighth. He's the eighth. So he's the eighth immortal, and you know, he was on the bench in that whole two thousand clean sweep, and for the Kangaroos in the World yep. Cup. So maybe I should be the. Seventh or ninth, I don't know. It's got to be a politics. Got yeah, to be a politics. <laughs> well, th- this show goes out to about ten million, so we might start voting for that. Yeah. What do you reckon? No, it was good. It was good coming through Newcastle. Obviously, in the old days, Boozy, where yeah. they used to go on the sit on the hill. You know, you talk about the Knights coming to the competition in 1988. I know it's a long time ago. Wow. I know I'm aged a little bit, but I remember being that 12 year old kid sitting on the hill and watching Sam Stewart run out with the big Henny Penny on the front of the jersey. That good was where time. the dream all started. It was a good time. And footy's back on now, guys, so we must be pretty happy with that. And AFL starts this, this weekend, Jude. Well, this is, this is what I love. I, I think you've just formed the perfect thing, which is talk about sport and have steak, uh, yeah, steak yeah. and a wolf your wines and beers. But, um, no, it's great to have, obviously, the AFL back, but um, been, you know, hooking into the league as well in the, in the period. And it's just good to see, you know, all the world sports starting to shuffle and get themselves back on their feet. Even, you know, rugby is letting in the, the fans over New Zealand this weekend as well. Fantastic. And, and what takes up your time, Jude? off the field these days. I know you do your commentary stuff, but what, what else do you... Yeah, so I work for a US software company called Domo and then um, also uh, work with Channel 7 and, and Triple M and, uh, and and a little bit with ESPN as well. So, you know, still heavily involved with sport, which is great and I think it's the next best thing, which is obviously get to talk about footy all the time. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting without the, without the fans at the moment. And all three of you guys were involved in a first-time premiership. Brett, yourself, with the Melbourne Storm... Mark with the Newcastle Knights and, and Jude, you with the Swans. Mark, how was that back in 997? It was unbelievable. You know, one town, one team. We'd been in since 88, you know, and it, and it come down to that last minute uh, game. Still feels like yesterday in some ways, but a long time ago. And Matt Johns went for the field goal right on the bell and hits the upright. The ball comes rolling out and into my mitts. 
most players would have knocked it on that I managed to hold on. Um, and then I passed the ball to Darren Albert, the blonde-haired winger from Scone, and he gets tackled about six or eight metres in from the sideline. So I went down to what we call the blind side, the short side. And I'm right on the sideline. And Andrew Johns gets into dummy half. And Matthew Johns is calling it in the middle to go for the one point again. This is the last... 30 seconds of the game and I'm yelling out it's on down the short side you know it's on down here and Joey has a look and uh, keep in mind this one play propelled him to immortal status and I called it so (laughs) so on my call he comes down the blind side and you watch it it's all true and he's like doing this to me like teasing me like he's going to pass to me and I'm saying give me the ball give me the ball I only had Spud Garrell coming across I would have palmed him off He goes inside to Darren Albert, the fastest man in rugby league. I don't know why he'd do that. And uh, he runs around and scores. And that was it. And then that did, the whole town went into raptures. You know, it was just the trip home, back to the workers' club, people everywhere. We had 100,000 at a street parade. Didn't buy a beer for a while, which was, was fun. It was just, yeah, amazing time. And was amazing. it true that you, you were the last two standing yourself and, and the chief? Ah, uh, the chief, yeah. So he's our leader and um, he led me around the paddock and I, I paid him back towards the end. And we're at uh, this 24-hour joint a few nights into it and uh, he fell asleep on a seat right in front of the men's toilet and there was karaoke on, a bit of a rough old joint and he, people couldn't get into the toilet and I could see the big chief <laughs> sort of fell asleep. So I've gone over and I've, I've put him over my shoulder like this and I tell people it sort of probably would have looked like the Winfield Cup, you know, and I like, and anyway, nice. I've got him and everyone stands up as one and they start applauding their leader, the chief. And I waggle it, I'm walking him out the door. We get out the door and he falls and thankfully I used him as a cushion and he hit the pavement <laughs> and I, yeah, rolled him, got the my first result of the season yeah. and I put him down and put him into a cab and um, yeah, so that was uh, my way of paying back the chief. But uh, it's funny how things work out now, now chief an ambassador and we'll talk about that later for our foundation and one of your best mates yeah. yeah has joey ever thanked you for calling the short side mate no he doesn't no? acknowledge it he ignores it rude yeah and you look at the footage not in next time you'll see it you'll see it's all true <laughs> so uh yeah but wow fun times and you couldn't write the script any better than, than you know we were just we just struggled and struggled and struggled for 79 minutes and we found a way to win and i think it was that support that red and blue army we had behind us that got us across the yeah. line yeah it's, it's, it's funny sport you, you can play any level of sport i think and, and you win a premiership it, it, it means a lot and and 1990, was it 1999 for yourself, yeah. for the Melbourne Storm, Brett? So what, what were the memories like there? Yeah, as Mark said, obviously it feels like it was only just the other day. It's such a good memory. It was the highlight of my career. You know, I was very early in my career. I, I think I'd played sort of a couple of games for the Knights, but then obviously went off to the Hunter Mariners and played about half a season in 1997 in first grade. So in 1999 to be purely just playing in a grand final was, was amazing. You know, we were a lot of kids at that occasion, we were, we were probably lucky to, to have made the grand final. We were absolutely flogged by the Dragons in the first semi-final at Olympic Park, being the, the top-sided team. So then we go, we go to, to play. We, we beat Parramatta and we beat Canterbury basically in the last five minutes of both semi-final games purely to get in the grand final. And then we'd spent a number of days in Sydney because obviously we didn't want to fly back and forward from Melbourne. And, and then you go out to Olympic Park, it was the year before the Olympics was going to happen, so it was 107,000. I had the top of the grandstands on. The place is absolutely packed. And then Lazo breaks down about when the two-minute bell goes, the coach walks out of the, of the change rooms, and then obviously Lazo, the captain, gets to stand and talk to the players, and then obviously the, the touch judges knock on the door and go, OK, team, you're, you're right. And by that stage, he's crying because he's played in 
you know, he's won comps for the Broncos, yeah. won comp mm. for the Raiders. This is his last ever game of rugby league, and pretty much says, you know, don't blow it, don't don't wreck the occasion. And so we run out at, at kickoff to a full house to a Dragons team absolutely on fire, and we walk back in the sheds at sixteen points to two. <laughs> that was a pretty shit feeling at halftime. <laughs> it was one of the worst feelings you can imagine at halftime, and it actually felt like we'd blown the game because of. Being that far gone in the grand final, the sure. fact that they'd, they'd flogged us off the park three weeks earlier. And, and it was probably lucky that Chris Anderson was, you know, he's a great friend of mine now and, and was a mentor of mine. So he walks in the sheds and pretty much just says, you know, it can't get any worse. Just relax, go out and play football. Mm, good advice. And by his calmness, I think, made us all extremely calm. And, and to wear a Nickow and Stephen Kearney, to wear a Nickow was the, probably the biggest player I played with in my career. At that stage, he had the big, the big mullet, the, 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 mm. you know, quite an intimidating guy. Momentum swung the start of the second half by a couple of big collisions he made, uh, you know, and, and just they started dropping the ball, the Dragons, and uh, we get back into it with a with a try, and then we, all of a sudden we get a second try. So it ends up they end up keeping us in the game by Nathan Black, oh not Nathan Black, Anthony Mundine knocking on near the try line through a dummy yeah. doesn't mm. score. So either way, he passes, they score, or he puts the ball down, they score, and the game's probably over. Yeah, chalk. He knocks it on, so we stay in the contest. So I think it was 18 points to 14 with only a few minutes to go. And again, the Dragons kept making mistakes, making mistakes, making mistakes. And I literally put a crossfield kick over to the right wing to a guy called Craig Smith, who'd literally played the two semifinals and only the grand final period of that year. Amazing. The 5'8 was Matty Geyer, who was actually our winger until three weeks earlier. Right. Because Scotty Hill goes back to Foster for a week of the bye and gets... Hits his head on the gutter. He's out of the semifinals. Um, doesn't get the play. So there's a, there was a lot of distractions and changes that, that happened. But go across to the, the crossfield kick. A gentleman that won the grand final in 97 for the Knights. Jamie Ainscoe. Was he in the Knights? No, no, no. He's gone. He left, yeah. Jamie Ainscoe. Uh, obviously then head highs Craig Smith as the ball is in Craig Smith's hands. And he doesn't score it. This is like 1999. This is... 20 years before we see the penalty tries yeah, of the tries. current day. Yeah. And we're, we're all wondering what the hell's going to happen. Like, is it a try? Is it a penalty try? Where do they score it? And at this time, Craig Smith, who is our goal kicker, has knocked out cold. So then it turns into who's going to kick the goal. So Bill Harrigan obviously then walks from the corner post to the black dot. For us, it felt like it went for 30 minutes that yeah. time, but it was probably two minutes. You know, barely, or probably a minute in, that, in, in the time. But for him to stand under the black dot to then award the try... Mm means that Matt Guy kicks the goal from in front and we end up getting two in front with about two and a half minutes to go. So we were never in the contest, as like you guys, Boozy, never in the contest. Get a couple of momentum swings come our way to getting a penalty try, which was probably the biggest decision that's ever happened in a grand final, Mm -hmm. still to the day. Yeah, And and we then, at full-time, Siren goes and the sigh of relief comes over you because you've gone from shit-scared before the game (laughs) to (laughs) blown at a half-time to... Winning the game at full time, so it was an amazing feeling. We it, wasn't, it wasn't for me. I'm a dragon supporter. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, you were probably in the in the queue yeah, right, trying to get a drink at halfway through the second half, celebrating. Yeah, no. yeah. It was funny how like then we then quickly go back to the airport. You fly back to Melbourne. We've we've got our own plane partners and sponsors and all that. We're on the plane, and I was lucky enough to have got the medal that day for the for the best on ground. And I then got the the ability to fly home with the captain for about 35 minutes, mini eating a meat pie. Having a VB, <laughs> sitting in the cockpit, going back to Melbourne with the premiership <laughs> trophy. <laughs> it was a, it was it was a day that will never happen ever again. <laughs> a beer in the cockpit, <laughs> beer in the cockpit, just cruising back to Melbourne. <laughs> um, I couldn't see. I, I could see 
up ways, but obviously not down ways <laughs> over the dash. But yeah, it was hilarious. It was such a day that the, the contrast of emotions was ridiculous. And then I thought, you know, because that was very early in my career. And then you think, oh, it'd be great to try and win another one or get into a grand final. And I played for about, I think, 10 more years. Yeah, even longer, 11 more years beyond that date. And I, I got in two grand final qualifiers. And you're like, oh, yeah. God, I wish I could have played in another one because yep. I think that was a roller coaster, but then because I think I was so young, you didn't appreciate it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, wow, I'd love to win one or be a part of a grand final when I'm older and understand what this, how hard this game is. Yeah, you have, oh. you have to enjoy them because you never know the next one may not, may not come around. Jude, you're lucky to play in two, mate. Selfish. Very, very different. Selfish, yeah. <laughs> but no, very, both very different finals. It resonates a lot hearing Noddy yeah. talk about there. I mean, we, I was 25 when we won uh, in 2005, and I think we'd been through a coach, so I had that respect of... God, it doesn't come around yeah. too often. And, and even playing with guys like Michael O'Loughlin, who'd played in 1996 as a youngster, he thought he was going to play in grand finals every year. He's 18, 19, playing in 1996. And he's saying to all the boys eyeballing him before 2005, going, I thought I was going to play in one every year. It's 10 years later. Don't mess yeah. this up. So, you know, we, we had a really good nucleus of guys who... We bonded together through a pretty tough time. I, I think having lost Rodney Eade as a yeah. coach and, you know, uh, uh, had Paul Ruse come in, who was a really – he instilled so much confidence in us. I think he um, he just wanted to, you know, go out and, and you know, make every post a winner in, in that sense. And I think uh, even the start of that season in 2005, we were – you know, pillarized across the media. Even mm. Andrew Demetrio, the CEO of the AFL, said there's there's a team north of the border in you know Victoria. We were playing a style of footy that's not going to stand up, and we were just playing pretty poor footy. But once you started to get into a a good rhythm and play the way we wanted to play, and both the gentlemen next to me have played in premiership sides, you start to get you start to start to hum as a team, and yeah. you start yeah. to think, hang on, we've got a real chance yeah. this year, you know. And that that feeds. It's like a red rag to a bull, and. Um, we were, were lucky enough to come against a really red-hot West Coast and uh, and hold on in a in a momentous game. Yes. 72 years to break that drought. Uh, really special scenes. And and the culture from the outside looking in of the Swans during that period, particularly when you played, was really special. It was really strong. And um, what have you taken away post-career from that? Yeah, I think um, from for me, probably one is resilience from football. I think yep. um, that's that's been a big lesson for me. But also... You know, just just investing in people, and you know, the more you invest in people, the more they'll give back to you. And I think we had a team that really just hooked in together. Yeah. Um, and it's it was literally leave your egos at the door. We're going to come in and just going you know, to fight for each other and and not let each other down. And it's a pretty powerful thing when you get everyone rowing the same boat in the same direction. So we had a really good culture, and and I'm glad that we were able to see and live and breathe that. I remember even Wayne Bennett stepping in to give us a talk one year and yeah. I'll never forget sitting at the back of the room. I was always one of those <laughs> kids who thought that would be cool. And sit <laughs> the but I, I remember sitting there and um, Wayne Bennett was just eyeballing the guys and looked at Paul Kelly, who was our star, and I mm. idolised Kel, and he's looked at him, eyeballed him, said, how many premierships have you won? Mm. And Kel's like, none. And he's like, you've got to change. And, you know, you'd see the sweat. I could see the sweat dripping down wow. the guys' backs in front of me and... You know, we did need to change. We didn't have always have a strong culture at the club. Uh, we accepted a bit of me- mediocrity, but then now I, I walk back in now, and the bones of what we established in 2002, 2003 is still there today, which is great. It's great. And Mark, 2013, you were diagnosed with brain cancer, mate. Which, yeah. you know, we're talking about sport and the, the, the trials and tribulations and excitement that you get with sport. Then to be confronted <laughs> with something like that, that, that must have been. 
heart-wrenching moment for yourself and tough and and but you've turned that into a real positive now with your foundation <clears throat> yeah absolutely you know I was 36 at the time and felt fit I had three children under 10 and uh, just had some headaches and then from nowhere you know went to the doctors got a scan they said oh you got to get to the hospital uh, tumor removed um and weren't sure how bad it was and then the doctor sort of eyeballed me about five days later he said I'm sorry Mark you've got high grade brain cancer which was really tough you know there's no no cure no answers but I think you know my background rugby league Jude talk about resilience mm. about getting up getting yourself back back on your feet and getting back on the field I guess all that stuff just came back to me and I got no doubt my background has helped me deal with the way with the cards that I've been dealt with and then to have a new focus in, in the foundation has given me a real positive, strong focus. And then to see the following that uh, the foundation has now got just gives me strength, you know, and you meet families. Um, you know, I've been close to Noddy during this and a lot of families don't get the opportunities that I'm getting. You know, I've been mm. about five or six years now, diagnosed grade three. So I've got the opportunity, so I've got to run with it and um, do something special. And um, this week's a, a big week yeah. for, for the foundation, Beanies for Brain Cancer. Do you want us to talk us through what, what you're doing there with the beanies and, yeah. and involvement? Yeah, the NRL have been amazing in their support and we weren't sure how it was all going to run this year, but thankfully they are going to run the, the, the beanie round. So it's this weekend. So you'll, the players, are, uh, I think they're going to be running out in the field and there'll be lots of um, media, some stories about uh, brain cancer on Channel 9, Fox and all that. So yeah, it's all going to be exciting. So we're asking people if they can buy a beanie. Um, Lowe's Australia have got, their, got the beanies in, uh, selected IGAs, Mark Hughes Foundation website, put your beanie on over the weekend and watch them. Fantastic. Watch the games. That's awesome. that's pretty much it. And, and Brett, you, you were faced with the horrible news. Your wife passed with brain cancer in 2017, was it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And it was, you know, a very similar story to what, what Mark went through, you know. All of a sudden, you know, you're a, you're a healthy young person. You, yep. we, at that stage, we had four children. And, and literally, you went in from headaches or block sinus to go get a scan that says, okay, you've got to get literally to the hospital Jeez. ASAP. So, you know... Life obviously instantly changes very quickly when yep. you, you know, you, you, it's not just a headache, it's not just a sinus pill, it's, you know, then all of a sudden it was the following day we, we'd gone out and seen a, been recommended to a, a specialist out at Westmead Private who was the one that performed the surgery and, and, and as Mark said, you know, you pretty much come out, five days later you get the news on what the tumour looks like, whether it's a, a grade one, you've beat it or grade yep. three, yep. you know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fight forever. So we, as Mark said, we got the... We got the bottom end of the worst news as well. But, you know, had an amazing lady that was, was, was resilient, was going to fight it, had four children to, to keep surviving for, and luck plays a big part in everything. But, you know, obviously we, had, we didn't have any of the luck. Um, we had surgery 2016 in, in middle of the year, and by Christmas time, at, you know, Christmas time, the end of 2016, it had pretty much come back in its full control, and there was nothing that was treatable or any, or any ability to quality of life that they could see improving. And... You're right. Uh, unfortunately, my, my partner passed away in March 2017. So we didn't get the good news and the, and, and the good part yep. of the battle. Um, but, you know, it's, it was it, – it's tough, yeah, definitely. And, and as you said, it rocks you, your world so quickly. You know, I went from a person that cared about finances and, and oh, having no. all these outside stresses in my life to yeah. – it changes your world very quickly. Mm. When, you, when you first get diagnosed with it, you put reality into place and – and you live for today and enjoy yeah. what you've got and la da da. But then, it, you know, obviously, then I had the uh, the huge 
setback in some regards that then you become a single parent overnight and you yeah. lose your you know I, I went to school with my with Charney at the time and we grew up in Newcastle we went through all the whole career together so you yeah. lose your best friend yeah um, and then the mother of your four children and mm. you know so it was it was tough mate it was tough and and you know I heard you just mention about the resiliences we learned from football I had I had a few tough challenges in football like I you know I, I arrive at Cronulla get told to piss off we broke the most losses in a in a season and you, your fans tell you to boo I threw an intercept pass in yeah. origin that that teaches you resilience because they're all motivating factors that, that you know it'll get better eventually it'll get better it'll turn and you want and you back yourself to fight through it so but that's that's sort of how how my life previously to that date in March in 2017 got me through it because you you know you just I had four kids I had to wake up for. Yeah. I had four kids I had to get to school. And, Unbelievable, man. Uh, you know, work stopped for a while, life stopped for a while, but, you know, over time, you're like, oh, it'll, yep. it'll turn, which is what happens in football, which is what happens in yep. life. And, you know, I've, you know, and now I feel like you get, you know, you enjoy life too. Like, you've got to think of the good parts you get as well. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, at the moment, amazing. I'm building a new house. I've got four amazing kids. I've, got to, I've met someone new. And, you know, you, you think from, from the rock bottom of bottoms and the, and the heartache that we went through to... You know, yeah. there is some good things. Yeah, mm. my children, unfortunately, will, will, and I don't know how it will affect them long term. Yep. You know, I, I have a 19, 17, 14, and and ten year old now. So we're talking three years yeah. ago. So the younger two, I think, didn't really understand it or, or, or be a part of it. My older two, well, they showed some amazing toughness. I remember going to our surgeon to get some horrible news that it was no surgery could fix it. It'd come back. It'd gone in, into different parts of her brain to go and see another surgeon for, for a second opinion and, and my older two kids wanted to come wow. I was like what and I was like you just be careful wow. here. they're not going to sugarcoat anything no. it's going to yeah. you know and they're like no well, we, we want to mm. be here and hear it and, and know for ourselves I was like you know that, that, that blew strong me away yeah so you know they, they've been amazingly strong for everything they've been through and, and, and then again now what, how they've turned out it's hard to even fathom um, I know as a professional sportsman you're, you're hand-fed everything. You're told when to train, when to sleep, when to wake up, what to eat, what to do, all that sort of stuff. Then to turn around and you've got to now provide and do all that stuff that generally you've had stuff, people doing stuff for you. You're, you're now at the helm with, with, with your daughter, so you're doing an amazing job, mate. And even like I, I went out and tried to coach and have a career and do media. Like I, I would just drop mm. the school and go to work and pick up and I had no idea what calendars looked like, what activities they had. I was just a taxi driver and, and, mm. and the fun guy in the bank in theory. Yeah. Like yeah. To, but, you know, I think, you, again, you talk about you get hand-fed, you get cultures, that they, the traits they teach. I just had to take the culture we had at home or had been created and, and then keep that discipline. The girls knew in, in, in a way what was accepted and not accepted. You know, I, I wouldn't say my discipline's the best. <laughs> um, you know, like the warning five times before you clean your room and, yeah. it, and I'll take your phone and, yeah. and I'll take, yeah. you know, and, and eventually they do yeah. it and you're like, oh, glad I didn't have to take that phone. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it puts you in a different understanding of you're just up. Mm. And I remember going to bed some days thinking, oh, I've stuffed up today big time burnt dinners kids are going to eat bad food the rest yeah. of their life and I can't cook and all this type of stuff and you feel horrible and you're like you know what I'm not, I need tomorrow to be a better day than today and that was like that was the very short term focus that got me through life and you're good for a little you. while and then and, and now I feel like they haven't had a burnt food for a little while and, and they appreciate <laughs> they appreciate all the things I've done because I, I'm lucky enough to do multiple jobs in some regards but I still do a school drop off and a school pick up every day 
I'm a parent at home pretty regularly. I'm very hands-on. Mm. The, the best purchase I've probably made in the last three years has been a steam iron. <laughs> so good it is. <laughs> but things like life changes quickly. It and it goes to show, uh, Mark, the incredible work you're doing. You know, over $17 million you've, you've raised. Is it in excess yeah. of that now? Yeah, it's over, a bit over that. And yeah, you just can't do it without the support. And, yeah. you know, Noddy stood up and he supported our foundation right in the storm. And I'll never forget that, you know. And I think in life, it's not necessarily about what we've achieved or what jerseys we've got on our wall or, or what cars in the driveway or how many rental. It's, it's about what we do with what we've got to help others that really counts. And that's what mm. I've learned. So I think, you know, it's a good example of. of you know, getting out and helping others and, and doing good in the world. And that's, that's what Noddy was helping us do. And that's what I come across every, every day. People that want to buy a beanie and, and support our foundation, they're helping us with the research because we need answers, you know. I need, at the end of the day, I need an answer. There's so many out there that need an answer and we won't stop till we find one. So that's the attitude i got, you know. So. And, and where has the research gone in, in the last, say, 10 years? Where, where have there been the big develop, developments? Um, look, um, brain care hasn't changed in yeah. 30 years, the outcomes and... You know, so it was tough. So, uh, look, we've got full-time researchers now at the Royal North Shore in Sydney. We've just had one start at the Sydney Children's Hospital. We've got uh, in Newcastle. We do innovation grants where we get all the best innovation. We, we're sure that the, the research might come from a left-field idea, you know, something a bit... So we're looking for those types of ideas because we've got a scientific committee. and So we've got research all over Australia. So we've got eyeballs on brain cancer all the time now, which is what we needed. Well we've, got to, we've got to find the answer because I, you know, it tears my heart hearing Noddy's mm. story. And um, unfortunately, I hear that all the time, and I yeah. see that mm. I meet the families. I, you know, so that's just sort of the the fire that keeps burning. That we've got to find the answer. And that, that's pretty much it. We might order some food quickly. We won't be getting any burnt food here at King's no. Australian Steakhouse. I tell you that much. This is this is actually one of my favourite steakhouses in the world. I reckon. Kingsley's Australian Steakhouse, based here on King Street in Sydney. They do both grain and grass-fed steaks here, boys, so I'm going to have a grass-fed sirloin, medium with a Bernays sauce, chips and a little salad, please. Beautiful. I've ordered that before. Beautiful. I reckon you're a man you're talking about experience here. I'll take exactly the yeah. same if I can, but <laughs> can I get pepper sauce and a little bit of vegetables and we'll take the nice healthy chips as well, oh. just as a treat. We will. We might get some O'Brien beers too, served. One of our sponsors. They always go down well. I'm going to go the ribeye, thanks. We'll just go that medium with mushroom sauce. We should probably do this every day. Should, should? Yeah. yeah. It's no secret I love a gin. And one of our sponsors here, Lunch with Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin delivered to your door every two months, plus the latest issue of their beautiful gin journal magazine and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached. Cancel any time. Check out the website, www.ginsociety.com. All listeners of Lunch With Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com. Just use the code LUNCHWITHLEE20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness 
has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Now, Jude, so the AFL started this weekend? Yes, exactly. starts this weekend. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's... You know, it's a shortened season in the AFL. They've reduced it to 17 rounds, so everyone plays each other once. And, you know, well, it just as allows, I don't know, almost a pure pure comp this year, and it's going to be different. But I still think, you know, Richmond are the, by far and away the best team at the moment, and, and they've, got a, they've got a side that are going to really push hard again. Um, I thought GWS were, you know, demoralised on the big stage last year in the grand final, but... You know, they've come back with a real steeliness as well. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting side. And, uh, boys, the NRL, tips for the who's going to take the flag this year? Well, I tell you, the Knights have started well. Mm. Uh, they're, they're showing the coach has done a really good job there. He's done an apprenticeship un, under the Roosters and, and the Storm. So, it's a really good good grounding for him. And Adam O'Brien, he's doing a great job. So, yeah, hopefully the Knights are going to do well. Roosters, if they can win three in a row, hasn't happened since Parramatta in the early 80s. That would be unbelievable. Don't know, what do you reckon, Noddy? You, you yeah, it's quite interesting. You talk about short competition for NRL and AFL, and everyone just thinks that they can throw the form lines out the window and go, well, the, mm. the favourites can't win the comp. Well, yeah. generally the best teams do win the competition, <laughs> whether it's a 10-week comp or a 26-week comp. Exactly. So yeah. they find a way to win, especially on those big occasions. So uh, I, I agree with Mark. Newcastle are doing a wonderful well. They've got a really balanced roster now, a really good mm. pack of forwards, and defence is a big focus. Obviously, Mitchell Pearce is controlling the game, but Kalen Ponga, mm. the last, especially last weekend, he showed us he's probably one of, if not the best player in the comp, the new style mm. of football because yeah. he's got leg speed and skill. And so it's become not such the big boppers and just wear you down. Now it's athletes. So whatever Newcastle need to pay to keep him for however many years, they should definitely do it. I was a, I'm still a fan of the Canberra Raiders. That I think they can win the competition. They're mobile, they're athletic. George Williams, it's come from England, looked like a good mm. purchase, but... I got blown off the park by Newcastle yeah, last week. So I love the new rules. I played a style of football that was a bit flat and fast and over the advantage line. So now that the attacking team gets to get the defence standing still and you get to come at them, mm. it, it changes mm. the styles of football a little bit. So I think the Melbourne Storm in some regards might come back because they are too structured and they don't have the key players that can ball play in some regards over the advantage line. So I'm thinking Canberra, Newcastle. You don't rate the Eels. Yeah, Parramatta, I do rate. There's obviously first time they've won four in a row since that 1980 period. Mm. I look forward to uh, to watching them against Penrith, Penrith this weekend mm. against a, a, a pressure game. So, mm. yeah, and and then the Roosters, they're, they're probably the the top four. So, mm. yeah, but it's a it's a good competition. I'm, I'm interested in what you think, Jude, with the short and comp. Like, well, I think it is. It comes down to ex- execution yeah. uh, and. 
teams that have done it. I think the Roosters were probably uh, the fact they were zero and two, and then have hit back really hard. I think it's yeah. suddenly announced themselves again. And um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the obviously the. Yields and Penrith game as well, and I just love watching that Bradman best up at yeah. Oh, <laughs> like he is built for the beast. game. He's eighteen Strong, and just powerful. Everything smashing. guy wasn't <laughs> <laughs> the strike. The strike set of it. They try those yeah. schoolboy New South Wales under eighteen good player, kid, top kid. You're, yeah. you're spot on. Yeah. He's and, eighteen, and yeah. you know what they've done well. Like they've signed. They signed him last year for four years. Yeah. So before he's even been unveiled to the world, like they signed him for four years because they, they knew, they they knew and all of a sudden, like you find those great kids, you, they're the ones you don't want to lose. Yeah. Like you, you had that to the Kalen Ponga, the Mitchell Pierce, the Clemmers. The Feedy boys are stepping Sophie. up. Mm, but we're looking good. Just a bit of room in the salary, kept the fit Tyson Brazilian up there. Look out. The Sombero out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, think good for, I think for me, it's going to be, I think Roosters, Richmond, that's, that's my double. But um, I want to ask you all the same question and we'll sort of finish on this. But a lot of parents school parents that listen to this show and they always ask me for advice what, what advice would you give to a young talented footballer boys Mark well I think you know I was never blessed with the uh, the strength or the speed or all those things but I just sort of uh, I stuck with it you know and and, and and just always did my best, you know. And I think if you just get out there and do your best and, and make each training session, each game the best you possibly can, that you can, and focus on your journey, not, not the – there's always those kids in your team that are way better than you and you think, I'm never going to be them. But you can get there in the end. So I just think stick with it. Mm. Believe Dude. in yourself. Yeah, yeah it's good, good very, very similar. I think it's probably, you know, taking every opportunity as it counts. I think for me, it's it, – you're judged – when no one else is watching, how how yes. you're preparing yourself, how what your mindset, how you're going to attack you as a uh, pro- professional footballer or any in any profession really, like how yeah. are you going about your business? And you know, I was always my hardest taskmaster in that sense, and it stood me in good stead. Just super competitive and never really that skilled or talented, and I was able to just achieve because uh, I put the effort in. Yep. Yeah. I think for most kids, I think resilience has got to be a big word they've got to mm. use because mm. resilience to 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 want to be competitive, train hard and back yourself, but also resilience when the coach goes, I don't like you, you're not in the right position because you'll get dropped somewhere in your life. You won't be liked by someone. And again, it's only the coach's opinion. So yeah. I think resilience is a big word that we've got to teach them. And as you said, I wasn't the biggest guy or the most talented guy, but I, I was competitive from whistle to whistle yeah. and I trained hard. So, and I ended up having... One game as a goal, I ended up having 307, and, and it was a blessed yeah. career. So I reckon back, you know, resilience in to do that. But I also think sometimes people need to, not they'll tap on the bum when you make a mistake, but I think people need a pat on the back. Mm. Yeah, well I, said. I feel like my kids, like, my kids are, and I feel like when I've done so, anything I've done with kids, you train hard, and, and but also the, that good job or great effort, or yeah. you tried hard, you know, just that reassurance that, You've noticed them, so I think yep. sometimes the resilience from them has to be really important for mm. to try and hard or to handle a setback. But also, then I think a little pat on the back sometimes goes a long way to for them pulling their, you know, putting their chest out, putting their shoulders back, and oh, he noticed, he, you know, he appreciates what I did. They put a lot of pressure on themselves, don't they? Oh, enormous amount of pressure, and we we've done it for so long because you get the, you got to make this rep side, you got to get to that rep side, you got to get this jersey. You're not going to be like you're not in the academy team, you're not in the mm. squad. A lot of, I think a lot of times you you, you self doubt. Mm. And lacking confidence and, is what hurts you. So then you don't yeah. back yourself. So, and I think too, I think we get a bit carried away. Like sport is a pastime. Not everyone's a professional sportsman. Not, not yeah. kids. No one, no one, not everyone has to play for Australia or play for the Swans or play mm. play in the NRL. So, you know, enjoy it. It's, mm. it's, it's a game. Yes. Do your best. Make sure you compete. And you should be upset if you lose. I think, but 
you know, at the end of the day, it's a game. But mm-hmm. I want to thank you all for coming on the show. I think um, Brett, m- amazing story, mate. Mm-hmm. I, I remember Mark Taylor when I played with Mark Taylor. He was he was father of the year one year, and he was out of the country for two hundred fifty days. I reckon. <laughs> I don't know how he got that, but mate, but you, you are you are father of the year, mate, in, in my mm-hmm. eyes, mate. And Mark, what you're doing for yeah, Benny's for, for brain cancer, mate. Keep it, keep up the good work. A lot of money, a lot of good research is going in. We'll find a cure for it. And, and Jude, as always, it's good to see you, mate. And thank God the footy's back on, boys. And Thank God. We're going to enjoy a little bite to eat now at Kingsley's Australian Steakhouse. We're going to grab ourselves an O'Brien beer Beautiful. and enjoy. But uh, that's it for the show this week. So cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers. 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 Isn't a great cheers. sound? Oh. Oh. <laughs> cheers, guys. That's it for Lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Mark Hughes, Jude Bolton, and Brett Kamali. Thanks to Hilton Headley for all your hard work behind the scenes. And thank you to our sponsors, the Gin Society, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. And thanks to Kingsley Steakhouse for hosting a fantastic lunch. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. If you're passionate, leave a review. Next week we'll be changing some more complete legends to discuss more about music, sport and business on another cracker episode of Lunch with Lee. We'll see you then. (laughs) 